What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Happy Wednesday, Double G. Happy hump day. How you doing, man? Happy hump day, indeed. We are just trucking along. The MMA world is, you know, giving us one more big fight to look forward to. It's good. It's good. What about you? How you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling uh, feeling the heat of parenthood. It's weighing me down a little bit, but you know what? That's uh, a. <laughs> I think that's par for the course. I'm yeah. pretty much hanging in there, but uh, happy to talk to you for sure. Yes, for all and for any in the event that we have a new listener who has never listened to an episode at all, Natalie is you know mom to what is he like less than two months right now? He just hit two months. Yeah, so you know it's kind of like a frequent update. You know, we were there for the pregnancy. I'm not going to say we were there for the birth. We're not weird like that. But no, you no, know, she came back a few days later, and we had a very fun conversation. Anyway, so guys, obviously a very slow week in the world of MMA, but not without a few good talking points. So let's get right into it. The event, obviously, UFC Rio Rancho from New Mexico. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually surprised they don't just go absolutely all in on all these Jackson Wing fighters, the BMF uh, Ranch fighters, but they did still have a lot of local people, so... I gotta say, organization-wise, I think the schedule, you know, all of the big names like John and everybody else, even for a fight night, kind of got outsourced to the other cards. So I want to point that out, that I think in the past, they've stacked it just a little more. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah, but we did have a very good light heavyweight matchup. Jan Blahovich, Corey Anderson, a lot of people saying that, you know, had John Jones handle business quickly... This is a no-brainer for the next fight at light heavyweight. What happens next? We'll talk about it in a second. The fight itself. I think for me, the biggest thing that um, I was impressed with was Jan's takedown defense. I think that, quite bluntly, it was going to look a little bit more difficult for him to stop a guy like Corey. I would have thought that the threat of the hands mixed with the takedowns was going to give him a couple more problems. But by and large, I feel like that was just the greatest example of the growth that both men have had, and especially for Jan, you know, he looked very comfortable. He didn't look like he was struggling to stifle Corey. And then, of course, you know, we saw all night he was just getting to his mark more effectively. Then, of course, Corey comes in. He makes that, you know, we'll call it the tactical error, I believe. Uh, who was it? Paul Felder or somebody? pointed it out, and he kind of leaves the hands low and gets in the pocket, throws a leg kick, leaves the opening. Jan only needs one shot. He did the second for good measure, but that fight was over as soon as Jan connected. It was a very impressive knockout, and just really I was just impressed with Jan's presence in there. He was not worried about the wrestling, and he knew he had the striking, and he fought like it. Yeah, he was super comfortable against um, Corey, against the cage, with the wrestling, as you say, and that. You know, the shot that knocked him down, okay, that's one. But that whip of a hammer fist, ooh, that hurt. Uh, it was super impressive. You called the win. I was thinking Corey would be high off of his defeat over Johnny Walker. And I think he was, and that's why he was trying to box. 
and uh, it, it blew up in his face. So super impressive win from Jan. And uh, <clears throat> it was cool to see John Jones there and, and right away, you know, at least pretending like he was up for the challenge. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say this. When you're a wrestler, you've got to set it up with the hands. You can't just shoot double legs and expect to get him down no matter how good you are in MMA. But yeah, I, I really feel like when he wasn't getting it, maybe when his hands weren't getting to yawn, you know, I don't know if there was just a, I don't want to call it panic, but you know, there's a sense of urgency like, hey, you know, I'm trying to get this, you know, I'm not trying to let this guy get rolling. And I feel like that's a little bit of what we saw out of Corey. But look, I mean, let's give credit where it is. Jan is a fantastic fighter. I've said it a lot. I think he's very underrated. This is a guy who's been around a while. So, And let's talk about that moment. I like that he knew immediately, without having to really search for him, exactly where John Jones was sitting. Yeah. He knocks him down. Corey Anderson is still asleep. And he's giving him the what's up. And he's forcing John to acknowledge him. I love that moment. I think when you can target the guy before your opponent gets back up, I think that's about as epic as an in-cage kind of call-out that you're ever able to do, in my opinion. That's when it's like, hey, let's, you can stop talking about Dominic Reyes right now. You got me now in front of you. So I loved it. I was excited for it. Here's the issue, and I'm going to go ahead and toss it to you first because I have some thoughts. What is next? Because obviously, you know, we're only about, what, a week and some change removed from the big decision that everyone's still talking about with Dominic Reyes. But now you have Jan Blahovich coming off a knockout of Luke Rockhold. Beat Jacare. First round knockout of Corey Anderson. This guy kind of checks all the boxes, too. Yeah, I think we want to just see fresh blood in there with, with I do anyway, with John Jones. People want to see him lose. You know, it's not personal. It's just like, it's like, again, like I said last time with Mayweather, like people just want to see someone who's constantly winning. They want to see someone best. They want to see them get bested. So I think we want fresh blood. I'd like to see Jan be the next person to, uh, to meet up with Jones in the cage. And then you can still do the Reyes rematch, <clears throat> whether it's for the belt or not. People are still going to want to see that because uh, because of how well he performed, I think he won. You don't. I know that you disagree, and, and that's sort of how everyone is, 50-50. But for my money, let's see, Jan. Let's keep the conveyor belt rolling, and uh, and Dominic Reyes will get his will get his uh, his turn once again. But I don't want to see it right away. It's um, I don't want to see it right away because Jan had an impressive win. It was fast, and then they had that like face off through the cage. It was exciting. That it's already been built up. Let's just roll with it. What do you think? You know, uh, ironically, I thought you might go another way. So I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I, uh, here's the thing. I'll, I'll say this right now. Personally, I want to see Jan get in there. Um, I think that it's just a fun fight. I want to see John Jones fight as many different people as possible. When you're talking about what do we want to see out of our MMA, out of our action, out of our stars, and yes, out of our legends, which I do put John in that category after all he's done. That being said, I want to acknowledge, you know, big part of this is how does business work, right? Last week, you know, I don't mean like Saturday, I mean like last week, it was literally everybody wanted to tell you how they scored the, the fight, why they scored the fight, why should it have been scored this way? Why shouldn't it have been scored that way? What they thought of the ref, what they thought of the judge, what they 
are still thinking about the judge. I've been seeing the reports and I don't want to get into that because that, you know, that's another segment again. But, you know, everybody was talking about the Reyes fight for good reason. And, you know, I, I'm with you. You're telling me Reyes won. You don't have to. It's not a you could write your reasons on a post-it note and you could probably change my mind. That's how close the fight was. My thing about it was the timing. Yes, this fight fits nicely on Instagram and Twitter, and I believe that they reposted it on the UFC Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. But when you talk about selling a pay-per-view, it kind of hit everyone's general con- consciousness in terms of MMA. The, you know, the Dominic Reyes, you know, people feel he was robbed. And when you have that, it's kind of like, you know, the boxing Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Suddenly the buzz is there for a rematch. Let's get it on. This week, I'm sorry, but Jan versus Corey, and after coming off a big MMA weekend with two title fights, they were up against the XFL, they were up against the All-Star Saturday Night with the Dunk Contest, which had its own controversial judging, you know, not for nothing, that everybody, I swear, you would have thought they got into a fist fight the way people were talking about those judges. Um, Just saying. You are also up against Valentine's Day weekend with, you know, there are a lot of people treating their lady and their family and everybody else out to a nice evening. You know, UFC kind of took a back seat. And not to say that a lot of people didn't by now see the knockout of, you know, Corey by Jan. But at the, the fact is, what is the conversation? I hate to say it, but I feel like more people today... They're talking about the Diego Sanchez thing, you know, which we'll get into, of course, mm-hmm. more than the Jan Blahovich situation, just because, you know, the Dominic Reyes thing was so much bigger and the Jan thing just kind of flies under the radar. I do feel that in terms of, you know, getting a fan, the general fan who saw the fight last week, yeah, it's probably easier to sell a Dominic Reyes rematch. But I would hope that the UFC does what they do and gets Jan Blahovich out there, gets people seeing these clips, maybe gets him and John. You know, I would hope Jan and John Jones get a little bit of conversation going on social media. Make that the conversation. Because I'm also aware, John Jones would prefer Jan. Because the only one with anything to gain in a rematch, respectfully, is Dominic Reyes. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, forgive my grammar, but John Jones don't want none of that Dominic Reyes uh, stuff. He's tasted it, and he knows how close that fight was. And I'm sure he was thinking, oh, man, I might have lost this one. So he doesn't want that heat. And he knows he'll have to face him, but not right away. He's not going to opt. If he has, if you give him an option to pick, <coughs> excuse me, he's going to pick Jan, guaranteed. Um, you know, for because mostly because he knows how, how hard it was to fight Dominic. But also because, you know, it's a, it's exciting. It's a new challenge. You don't have to s- study the same guy a million times. You can start and study someone new, and that'll get him motivated, which is, seems like something that's important to him at this stage in his career. So, hey, man, sounds like uh, it sounds like all three of us here, I'm including John in this, are, are, are going for Jan to get the next title, uh, <laughs> title shot. John Jones is here. John, how have you been, man? How's vacation? <laughs> I was going to say, wait, what? <laughs> no, yes. um, I, I'm with you. Um, I do think... Uh, I get the business side of it. I understand why John wouldn't want to. 
Um, if you're Dominic Reyes, I com you have a right to be angry. And um, I was hearing a little bit, you know, the talk about Reyes versus Thiago Santos, possibly. And um, I did not read the full report, so respectfully, I know that Thiago was kind of like, I don't want just a top five guy after my fight and everything I went through and the title and split decision. So I, I get it. People don't want to risk their spot in line. I just very bluntly, when you know that John has more to gain fighting Jan Blahovich than a rematch with Reyes, it's just very tough for me to see John accepting the fight. I do feel like it's going to come down to a lot of negotiations on both sides. And, you know, UFC is going to have to weigh their options. Will people feel excited about watching John versus Blahovich on the right card? You, you know, he's never by himself. They always give him, put him with another champion or what have you. Yeah. Or is, you know, the Reyes rematch, are there, is there still enough buzz that makes people part with their money and get on ESPN Plus? So, before my money, I would like Jan Blahovich. I think that's a fun fight. I don't think that's a walkthrough for even John Jones. So, I'm ready. And, you know, quite bluntly, this is a good time at light heavyweight. You've got a lot of guys with a lot of good, you know, off some strong fights. I'm also ready to see the non-John Jones fights happen. I would love Reyes and Santos, Reyes and if Johnny Walker wins, etc., etc. I think it's a good time, and this is a good problem to have. But for my money, yeah, Jan Blahovich. Yep. Let's move on to that co-main event, shall we? Michelle Pereira, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching that fight, you know, because it's Valentine's Day weekend... I was thinking about all those memes, that Birds of Prey movie, and they always had the joke about, you know, like Harley Quinn and Joker, like find someone who matches your kind of crazy. I felt like Diego and Michelle Pereira, you know, Pereira, he kind of met that guy who had <laughs> his kind of crazy. Yeah. And then some, I mean, but look, in the cage, all systems go for Michelle. Um, I hate to say it because, you know, if you're telling me you fight better, you're it's bad for you to cut weight. I don't want you to. But when you see Pereira and you see Diego, you almost tell him, like, Diego, you need to get your butt back down to 155. You can't be doing this to yourself. Yeah. And really, it was all systems go. He was just, um, I mean, Michelle was just uh, in control of that whole fight. Uh, before we talk about the ending, do you have anything to add about those first 12, 13 minutes? I mean... It was kind of strange for me. Um, you know, I understand why he was bothered by the commentary, and I've seen some of his Instagram clips where he shows counters to those statements. But, yeah, off, uh, at first glance, it was just a strange performance. And so he was losing, and he had a couple of good moments here and there, but Otherwise, it was well, here. I'll, I'll put it this way: the best part for me was when he walked out, and he was in the cage, and he was standing tall like a proud Aztec, and he was just surveying the the crowd and getting filled with the energy. That was the best part for me. Uh, that was Diego Sanchez at his finest, and in some ways. So, you know, you want him to win in his hometown, and he did, but not a great performance. And and you know, he's kind of. He, you know, he looked great against Mickey Gall, and then not so much. And so I just want to see him perform at his best. And this was a tough one to do because mostly because of the size and 
and uh, the speed, I would say. Yeah, I think that um, stylistically, when you're up against that bigger of a guy who's not really leaving you that the kind of openings you, <coughs> excuse me, you're used to, uh, it was just a tough matchup. And um, look, I watched it. You know, uh, I tried to. Not, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think too much about the commentary. I did hear some of it, but in my mind, I feel like I'm sorry. But that was just a very Michelle Pereira control fight. And I do think that at a certain point, it's on you to either, you know, mount a significant offense or quite frankly, you know, you're kind of hanging on till the ride is over. I did feel like Diego going into that third round, you know, I did not feel like he was about to pull out a Hail Mary, land the punch, set up the combo that was going to change it up, if I'm being honest. It did not look like that was likely to happen. Um... Which, of course, leads to the ending now, is that, uh, you know, so he, you know, Michelle kind of gets him down. Um, they're against the cage, and Michelle Pereira lands a very blatant illegal knee. Yeah. There is now this awkward exchange, and I'm going to ask a few, like, yes or no questions, just so we're on the same page. It, it was, do you believe the shot was, um, it was blatant? There's no controversy. Do you believe that's correct? Yes. Do you believe that Diego Sanchez was hurt enough that he could not keep fighting? Uh, that's because that's kind of the kicker everybody has right now. Well, you know, what is it? Let's just, I'll just go stick superficially and like, yeah, that cut on his forehead was huge and it would have been bleeding into his eyes. Um, and so in that respect, yes, it would have been very difficult for him to continue um, to see his opponent. And that, that's not fair to him. Now, like, was his bell rung? Probably, but we know how tough he is, and he probably could have continued um, just because he has that grit. So, yeah, I mean, look, he wasn't knocked out, so it's hard to say, like, yeah, the, the, the blow made him completely incapable of, of continuing. No, but incapable enough in a meaningful way, and so I'm okay with it. Um, I'm going to say right now, you know, the idea that, you know, the chicken thing and he kind of looked for an out. I'm not going to say he was looking for an out because he was tired of getting beat up. However, I, I will say this. I think the reason why it's so unusual is because the idea of, you know, calling the fight for that reason if we're being honest, that feels very un-Diego-like. That's very off-brand. He kind of, let's be honest, everything you know about Diego Sanchez and the warrior and, you know, he's, he's a outside-the-box, you know, pun intended, kind of dude, is that he is the kind of guy, if he can keep fighting, he's not worried about it. The fact that he had that awkward conversation where he was almost... I understand people are saying it looked like he was asking the ref for confirmation that he'd get the W if he calls it himself. I think that, you know, devil's advocate, that just felt very off-brand. And I know for me, I, I was scratching my head at that. Now, Diego... I also took a step back. Diego has had, you know, look, he's got more fights than I think anybody on the roster right now. He just signed a new contract. His age is what it is. I don't got to tell you how many wars he's been in. If you're telling me that Diego Sanchez decided to make a business decision and be like, hey, 
I took I just took an illegal knee. I'm hurt. By all means, that is not breaking the rules. It is a little unexpected. I'll even say very unexpected. But that is not a, you know, he doesn't have anything to prove. Yeah. My apologies on that. That was the bell telling me that, you know, time for Natalie to go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear I didn't hear anything. Um, but yeah, it's like we're not let's this like I'm, I'm tongue-tied because it's so ridiculous to like question Diego Sanchez's grit or heart like come on you know yeah the conversation okay it is what it is but like ultimately the guys the guys shown up for us as fans time and time again this was a serious blow to the to the forehead like the cut was huge I mean I'm fine with it I'm, I'm fine with it yeah I, I will say that you know because I, I listened to Diego and his, um, his coach, his manager, all, all the titles that he has. I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure all the roles that he fills in, in Diego's career. But I listened to them. <laughs> I yeah. get, I, I'd also like to point out, I don't think I'm alone on that. Um, but I, I, I get where they're coming from. I understand that, um, you know, like, look, you kind of... They kind of put themselves in the corner. Diego is who Diego is. It's no secret about that. People have questions about the cornering. People have questions about that. I think it goes back to at the end of the day, you know, Diego has been in this a long time. And I know that we're coming off the whole Anthony Smith. He could have taken the belt from John Jones with the DQ. And people feel like that's a precedent. I mean... It's a business at the end of the day. And quite frankly, you make more money when you win in UFC. Those numbers are disclosed. Diego made a decision. I don't think you could question his heart. But yes, I will admit, it was very off-brand when you did think maybe he could keep fighting. And yeah, the cut was big. I think in the moment, though, I didn't feel like he had the, you know, the blood mask going on that was like, oh, man, this really does need to be stopped. So Yeah, not not yet, but it, I, I thought, you know, the way for as big and deep as it was, that, that had to Keep be on going. the way. And I do know he got stitches, but um, yeah, it was just quite the interesting one on a night of interesting stuff because that wasn't our only DQ uh, of the night. So I know people were like, whoa, this is, it's a little yeah. different. <laughs> Rio Rancho's got uh, people uh, knee fever over there. I mean, there are a lot of stitches going on over there. Yep. No, but um, no, quite the night. You obviously had a lot of other storylines going on. The De La Rosa couple, I thought, on Valentine's Day weekend. That's very cute. I was a big fan of that. And, of course, the other stuff that they had going on. So it was good stuff overall. Uh, in terms of MMA news, there was nothing going on until Brett Okamoto apparently received the email to or text message. I don't know how he break. I don't know how he breaks the news from Vegas everywhere, but I'm assuming someone somewhere just sends him the text. But your sister Valentina Shevchenko <laughs> will be defending her title against Joanne Calderwood on June 6th. It is expected the the event will be UFC 251. And Pearl Komodo, it's not official, but it looks like they are targeting Australia for that fight. So, um, Natalie, it's been less than two weeks since um, Shevchenko throttled Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, she didn't take damage. It's going to be roughly four months-ish since the fight with Caitlin. I like it. 
I like that she's moving it along. I feel like she puts pressure on everybody else to either get there or not criticize her moving up and doing whatever she wants. So I like the schedule. What about you? Yeah, I mean, she's got to be the most active female champion, right? I mean, can't go, I shouldn't say can't, you know, Whaley just, just got it and she's defending it. But um, compared to Nunes, for sure. She just wants to get back in there. She says it every time. As soon as this uh, Chukagian fight was over at the press conference, she was like, yeah, like, I don't care who the person is, you know, when you tell me who the, uh, the, the fighters are that are ranked below me, like, just line them up and let's go, which I love. Now, the interesting uh, aspect of this for Shevchenko is that that whole division compared to her is just most of them don't even come close to her skill level. Calderwood's a really good striker. But she's super hit and miss, right? Sometimes she can perform really well. And then sometimes if her mind's not right, she kind of gets slow, throws slow kicks, isn't as sharp. So, you know, we'll see how Calderwood looks. When was the last time that she fought? I don't last remember. September, Andrea Lee. That's right. And it was like a split decision, I think, right? Blue? So, yeah. Blue so. I mean, that's a long time ago. Uh, um, you know, hopefully she's <laughs> ready to go. But, man, think about it. If you're anyone in that division, you know all roads lead to Shevchenko. And it's got to be a little bit scary. Like, you you know you're a fighter and you're in it to win the championship. That's just what you tell yourself. But when that's the person holding the belt and you see what she did to Jessica I and you see what she did to Chukagian and how when someone comes with her comes at her with a different kind of game plan like uh, Carmouche, she can still neutralize her even though it's not an exciting win. When that's who you're facing, that's who you're heading towards – I feel like it almost makes you not want to do so well. You got to tell yourself that, that that's what you want. But come on, man. Shevchenko is like the hardest opponent right now in, in, in UFC right now. Like the way she beats people compared to how other champions beat their opponents, it's night and day. Are you saying that she's like, you know how Darren Till has Yol Romero? He's not afraid of anybody except him. You feel like the flyweights, they're not afraid of anybody except Valentina? Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> and I think even Paige Van Zandt said it at some point uh, before. Unfortunately, she, she broke her arm terrifying. again. But yeah, she said it. She's like, I don't want to fight her yet. Well, how about ever? I mean, Jesus Christ, you know? You're just going in there and you got to have one heck of a strategy. That's all I got to say. But hey, Maybe Paige tried to adopt the redheaded powers. from. Wait, no. Did Paige? She changed her hair before Valentina, I think. I think she did, yeah. But yeah, but um, no, just... I'm being silly. No, um, yeah, look, you have a great point, and I do think that we've reached that point in the division. Um, look, she kicks it off by beating Joanna for the belt. She, you know, Caitlin, you know, she's coming off the win over Jojo. Well, I think she fought uh, Jennifer Mai also, but she got the win over Jojo. And Jessica I was the one who beat Caitlin, and everyone knows Liz Carmouche and Jessica I were neck and neck going into a title fight. And. Uh, I forget. I feel like there's one more in there I might be missing. But um, the fact is, she's kind of run the table. And, you know, at flyweight, it's weird because you, uh, I guess even compared to other divisions, you felt like there's a upper echelon and then you have a middle of the pack. I feel like that line is more blurred a little bit. Like, for example, you look at Paige Van Sant and how she looked at coming off the win over Rachel Ostovich. You feel like, well, why not, you know, but people, you know, as we see these matchups play out, you feel like that next level quite is a lot more drastic, or at least it should feel like it. 
Um, I mean, you're talking about you got Lauren Murphy there. She's coming off the win over Andrea Lee, Roxanne Modafferi beating Macy Barber. But you turned back the clock three months ago. Are you saying any of those women are ready for Shevchenko? I think most people would say no. But here's the thing. as You know, you kind of bring it up, the conveyor belt. Joanne Calderwood, she's the next woman in line. I do like her more than um, on her resume more than Roxanne. Um, not that the win over Macy wasn't big, but I do feel like there was just a lot of muddled, you know, the injury and Roxanne's, you know, sometimes she's a little inconsistent also. I like the fight for Jojo Calderwood. I think that um, when you consider how tough she is on the feet and what she brings to the table, look, she is a tough Scottish cookie. She is not an easy one to break. So I do like that, but you bring it up. It's Valentina Shevchenko. It's, you know, it's kind of like swimming against Michael Phelps. I mean, it's his pool. We're just swimming in it, you know? Is yeah, and, and Calderwood, yes, she is tough, super tough. But then it's like, okay, <laughs> next level tough? I don't know. And, and and actually, you can be next level tough, but I don't know if she's got the skill set to match. I think that uh, it comes down to very similar to... Uh, <clears throat> It's a tough name to say all back-to-back. Chukagian. <laughs> it's tough. Um, I, I compared to Chukagian because I feel like, you know, Caitlin's another person you'd say primarily more of a striker. That's where she does her best work. Same for JoJo, but the ground game isn't quite to the level. Um, look, I'm, I know she's training a lot at Syndicate with Roxanne. Also, their teammates, they've said they... At least Roxanne, she said she wouldn't fight JoJo. But the fact is, um, once again, is it Shevchenko level and what we've seen over the last few weeks? Or, sorry, few months? I don't know. And I think that's why, obviously, look, kind of like fighting John Jones, it doesn't matter what you do. You're up against someone who would be an epic upset if you get the W. So, Joanne has, look, she gets the same chance everybody else gets in there. But we do know what mountain she's up against. And that's just the fight. Uh, I yeah. do want to add one more point before we move on to other stuff. If you're Shevchenko, you kind of also put the pressure on Amanda Nunes that, hey, either fight somebody or I'm taking that Female Fighter of the Year award. And I do think that it's kind of, you know, when it's neck and neck like that, I like that Valentina's taken this approach. And look, if she is truly intent on sweeping that division before entertaining a move up, I'm good with it too. I think that, you know, if it's a business thing, then this is the next best option, short of a trilogy with those two. Yeah, I mean, she'll definitely win Fighter of the Year just based on, you know, output because she doesn't want to take long breaks. Like, she has no issues. She never gets injured. Um and we talked a few weeks ago about, you know, what's next for her in her own division. It's just, yeah, it's conveyor belt. Then there's like the big fights. If she goes either, you know, up to Nunez or if Weili Zhang goes up to, to Shevchenko. So those are still hanging out, you know, in the periphery, but still in the realm of possibility. Um, but uh, for now, I think she's just happy to, to, to chew them up and spit them out. I mean, I have a question. Do you think that the fight is coming together faster because someone um, 
you know, she was outed. She had like a Tom Cruise situation and she had to escape and get back to her civilian life as an MMA champion because, you know, <laughs> her undercover assignment went south as a spy. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, Putin Putin was like, uh, you need to get back in there. <laughs> you need to get back in there because they're trying to figure you out. I mean, it's got to be some, uh, I I'll feel tell like you what. It. <laughs> After we talked about it, was it is it Ben Askren who's been going around saying that he thinks she's a Russian agent? I think agent? he started it, but a lot yeah. of people. I've seen Helwani's jumped in, Schmoes jumped in. I mean, look, it's definitely dawned on me, I should say, or I've definitely wondered, like, it's an interesting dynamic they have, though, like that triumvirate, right? Like Pavel, Antonina, and Valentina, and it's just the three of them, and it's like, who else does she have as a coach? They travel together. They're never like in relationships with anybody. You see, it's an interesting life. And it, it if you if you start bringing in this a- element of Russian agent, it starts to make a lot of sense. <laughs> starts to make a lot of sense. It's like, She's, oh yes, Pavel's the handler. You know, she lives um, yeah. the Spartan lifestyle. Eh? Ain't yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But but I tell you what, you, you ask Valentina, you know, what if she's just like, I like to sit and watch a rom com and be held and cuddle. What if she tells you that? You it's know, like we're if, just... if you look at her Instagram, it's like, okay, she does this amazing performance against uh, Chikagian, the crucifix. You know, like that's like a, you know just completely obliterates her. Then the next day on her Instagram, it's like her dancing very gracefully and sexily in front of the mirror, doing some kind of Russian dance with a tambourine. Then she posts all these pictures um, with her belt or with a gun or fishing. Today was fishing, all the fish she catches. It's like what human, not even a woman, is so complete. (laughs) Can do all those things. She's kind of like the real-life Black Widow, right? The it's marble. Great. Yeah, she is. She's, she's, <laughs> you know, she's got the look, and then she's got all those skills in real yep. life. Crazy! It's like, oh, you fish and you shoot and you can dance and you can murder people in the octagon. Hey, l- let me ask you a question. What do you think? Um, what's a good one? I don't think that Valentina is probably good at something like basketball. I feel like, you know, she does, her hand-eye coordination is fine, but the ball sports that maybe she struggles with. What do you think is something, the Achilles heel of Shevchenko? Because we know MMA isn't one of them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know what, as you said it, like me picturing her trying to play basketball or trying to throw a football, I feel like it would look kind of funny, but I think she would do well in baseball. I think swinging I sports, that. so baseball, tennis, golf, I think she'd be good at that. Um, basketball, yeah, I don't know. Bouncing a ball, having some that kind of agility, I don't see it. Um, you think she's good at video games? Do you think, like, you know... Tetris? She, yeah, I think no, so. No, I mean, like, <laughs> if she plays as herself on the UFC video game, do you think she wins a lot? Dude, she probably doesn't even have a television. She probably just stares up the wall at night. <laughs> And practices. Hey, for, so, so, um, Pavel p- plugs her in for the charges yeah. her for the next day. I mean, I love her, but like, it's not it's not lost on me that it's like outrageously like she's like unbelievably like a complete human being. Like, who, who can do all those things? I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's unreal. But good for her. We'll I ask mean, her. Like something to aspire to. I think that's our, probably our dream interview, our dream guest to have on the show is Shevchenko. Yeah. And we're in just Spanish. Super... We have to do the whole thing in Spanish. No, nah, we can't be pressing the SAP button. People get mad. 
No, but I feel like that would be the thing. We wouldn't even talk to her about fights. We'd just ask her our questions about her life. Yeah, I'd just be like, so, uh, who's listening to this conversation? Oh, my gosh. All right, let's get serious. We do have a fight night this uh, this weekend, technically. So there are cards in Bellator. Combate Americas returns to action in 2020. But the main one is UFC Auckland. They return to New Zealand. I expect to see Israel Adesanya coming out like on a float to open the card. I'm not going to lie. It's like this, you know, I feel like they're going to do something. But the big fight is Dan Hooker taking on the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. Uh, this one, low-key, major title implication. Or not title, but definitely big for the lightweight division. And we'll explain why in a minute. But the fight itself is a very fun one. Stylistically, I like how these guys match up with each other. What are your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, it's exciting. Dan Hooker's looking so good lately. And Paul Felder is one of those guys that I really, I always ex- have high expectations from him in the cage, and then it doesn't quite like he's he's really good, but it doesn't quite he doesn't quite give it to me. Like he's super tough, he doesn't quit, but he's not as I don't know what I can't put my finger on it, man. There's just something that doesn't quite deliver. So uh, I'm looking to see how he performs uh, on Saturday or Sunday, I should say for us. And uh, but Dan Hooker, I mean, at home, coming off of off of um the the streak he's been on and uh you know i'm trying to look at his thing here so two fights okay james vick yeah that was super impressive he got a decision he got a decision against ally quinta okay but that's still really strong um i like this a lot they're really game they're good strikers excellent strikers i should say so this is a good a good matchup but i like that sunday morning um, I'll probably, you know, be more likely to be awake on Sunday morning than Sunday night these days. So <laughs> this works. You know, you can watch it while your son is asleep too, Natalie. You know what? I mostly like watch things on like the lowest volume these days. <laughs> and like my phone when I have like, I never used to look at my phone hardly at all. And now it's like any, any chance I have to like access the world, I'm on my phone. <laughs> on Instagram, but everything has got to be on mute because one little thing, man. You feel like if the moon turns too quickly that he wakes up and starts crying? Yep. (laughs) No, I get you. Um, Look, it's quite the fight. I think the thing for me is that um, Dan Hooker, I feel like he's another guy who's kind of taken some time for people to warm up. Same with Paul Felder. I think the best thing that happened to Paul was that, you know, he became an analyst and suddenly it's like, oh yeah, I recognize his fights. Um, They're both very fun guys to watch. I thought I read someone on Twitter say potential fight of the year. I get it on paper because if both of them take what we know they can and then dish it out like we know they can, that is a very fun fight. I could see them just, you know, painting that canvas red with some shots and just, you know, beating the daylight out of each other. Like, you know, someone broke up with the other's girlfriend, sorry, the other's sister and they got to avenge it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that fight. I think for me, Paul is probably a little more technical. I think he's a little shorter, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that it's going to come down to chopping down a guy who likes to fight taller, rangier, in Dan Hooker. I think that that's really going to be the key. 
both of them have slick moves. They know how to get in and out. Um, the fight with uh, Ayakinta for Hooker in particular, I was just watching that. Man, he just kind of smacked him around a few times. He got in and out. He looked great in that fight. And so he fights like that against a guy like Paul Felder and he can avoid some of that firepower coming his way. That's a, that's a big win. And um, it's a good fight. I do think he's got the IQ to do it. It's just about who makes the adjustments. Because I think they both know what they're going to be trying to do. It's just about who prevents the other. Rather than just, hey, who gets to the punch first, which happens in a bunch of fights too. Natalie, I'm going to put the pressure on you because I'm yeah. still making up my mind. Who's winning? <laughs> I'm going with Dan Hooker. I'm going to be real specific and I'm going to say round four, TKO, but via body shots. And uh, Body shot to the right or to the left since you've been specific? <laughs> to the left, to the liver. Okay. And uh, yeah, either a kick or a punch, but I think that's going to be the thing that does it. I see really more, I see a punch. And um, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. They're gonna, It's going to get bloody because neither one's going to back down. Paul Felder has like crazy legs, like they're so thick and like sturdy. And you know, watch out, yeah, for leg kicks. Uh, looking at the stats here, Dan Hooker is one inch taller, but he has like a almost a five inch reach advantage. Aye. So that's a lot, yeah. yeah. He knows how to use it very bluntly. I mean, you watch his fights; he knows, you know, he establishes that jab really well. Um, I am gonna go. Da, 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 da. You know what? Um, as I've sat and thought about it over the last few days, I just see it going Paul Felder's way. I think that he's kind of going to hold court. I think that um, I think he doesn't get as much credit because he has that loss to Mike Perry that he took out welterweight on short notice when he was supposed to get James Vick. I think he doesn't right. get credit for you know how that kind of slowed the roll a little bit in the eyes of the fans. Um, I think it was on a big card too. But um, yeah, I think that when you look at his body of work, he's really become one of the top contenders in that division. And I just see him chopping a hooker down and just catching him with some good shots. I could see the TKO in the third round. You know, slows him down, creates the opening. That's a wrap. All right. We're on opposite sides once again. Let's see what so happens. So here's what's going to happen. Are people going to be watching the fights? Or are they going to be watching replays of Wilder and Fury 2 on Sunday morning? Oh, man. that's uh, I haven't watched any of the coverage, but I'm really excited about it. I just saw on silent, on mute, of course. The, yeah, you, uh, the you got to do that because the second Wilder does his first bomb squad, Joe isn't sleeping for like an hour. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm nervous for, for Fury, but I was nervous for him last time. And, you know, Wilder says you got to be perfect for 12 rounds, and Fury almost was. I still think he won the fight, despite the, the 12th round, like, resurrection. Um, or knockout, knockout first, and then resurrection. But but just watching how they were today in the face-off, again, without sound, so we'll have to go back and listen to it with the, the volume up. Man, they're pumped up. They know how to sell a fight, too, so they're getting us fired up. But damn, dude, like, it's going to be interesting. Like, Wilder, I bet he wants to come out so bad and just blitz him in round one. And, and if Fury's not careful, it could very well happen. You know, someone else I talked to said the same thing. They're like, mm -hmm. they just think Wilder's going to come out and just put the fear of the hands on Fury early. 
I don't know, man. Fury's so tall and so slick. I feel like the problem with Wilder coming out and blitzing is that if he doesn't land that shot, he knows exactly how long that night's going to be, and now he's tired for 12 rounds. Uh, I think the thing that it comes down to, Wilder really doesn't panic if he's behind on the cards. No, never. And he does a good job of not taking too much damage even when he's being more patient. He knows how to slow you down. He knows how to be just very efficient. And that's why he can get you any second of the fight with that same power. I think that that's what impresses me the most about him. He's a very intelligent guy with that energy. He knows what his weapon is and he knows how to use it. That being said, Fury, he kind of He's kind of got every trick in the book you could ask for for a heavyweight besides that one-shot stopping power. Man, it's just a good fight. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, every time I, I always see Fury just... Um, if Wilder doesn't get him early, I don't see him getting him late. I keep coming back to that is that if it doesn't happen early, I don't see, you know, rounds nine and up him suddenly getting that shot. I know it happened the last time. I just don't think that happens twice. And so I just keep seeing it. I keep seeing Fury surviving a storm and riding this one out to a W. Yeah, I actually, even though I I figure Wilder's going to come out the gate swinging, I do think Fury's going to just move, keep his head moving like he does, stay light on his feet. Um, that like stutter, stutter, stutter step that he does. And 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 get his his uh, his win, but he's saying he wants to come out and uh, knock uh, Wilder out as well. I mean, that's just what he's saying, right? Man, everyone says that. If I yeah. were a fighter, that's the first thing I would be saying too. Yeah. I think he's just he's predicting a yeah. straight jab to knock him down. <laughs> no, straight jab to the nose, he says. I mean, we'll see. Why not, right? Why right. not? Yeah, I might as say whatever. It doesn't right, matter. Guys, you got bonus time. You got a Wilder Fury 2 breakdown on MMA Daily. How about that? Yep. All right. Next week, it is, I want to say, Norfolk, Virginia, yep. for Joseph Benavidez taking on Davison Figueredo for the now vacant flyweight championship. Um, Very bluntly, Natalie, do you think that is there going to be fear of saving the flyweight division, regardless of how it turns out next week? Yeah, I think so. I think with Cejudo, you know, he did his little dance. He knew he was never going to stick around at 125. But it was good. It was, you know, good conversation and uh, good propaganda for, for the division while he was in it. But I do believe it's on the – it really is now on the on the tail end. Unless, you know, the UFC says, look, we don't want to start all of a sudden dropping multiple divisions and you look at 145 for the women, that one's definitely dead. So, you know, if they're going to drop one, it'll be that one. But they have a double champ, so why would they? I don't know. I don't know which one of those two is going to give first, but it's going to be one of them. What's weird, they signed several guys, I believe, since then, two deals. Um, hmm. okay. where they Yeah, so I want to say you got guys with fights on their contract, but then... You know, for what we know in MMA, I also feel like it's not out of the question to hear about, hey, look, this is where we're at. This is what we're left with. We're just going to buy out your fights, and that's the end of that. I feel like you see that in enough of the big sports enough that you shouldn't be excuse me, surprised if you ever see it in MMA. So 
I do think that that's a possibility, but I'd also like to give him credit. You got Benavidez, who's wanted a goal for a long time. Figueredo definitely knows what kind of opportunity he has. Let's see them fight. Give them the fights. I, if it's good MMA, it's good MMA. I think everybody knows that. So I'm going to give them that credit first. It's, let's see if they can put it together. I know there's, you know, what's a good way, good way to put it? There's hesitation. People are feeling like, well, they don't want to put all their eggs in the basket. Easter is coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just see what happens. And yeah, I mean, that- if they put on a great fight, you know, that'll buy them some time. But but that's all I see it as, fine time. Anyway, I've used all my metaphors for this week. So, guys, we will be back next week. Remember you to subscribe, like, comment, rate us five stars, all that jazz for MMA Daily. And until then, have a good one.